Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to the Friends of Fantasy Benefits Baseball Podcast. I am Justin Mason, joined by Matt Thompson for another Prospect Minute. Matt, how you doing? I'm good, man. Excited to talk about some Eloy Jimenez. Yeah, uh, I'm super excited too because I've been holding on to him. It feels like for quite a while in uh, in one of my dynasty leagues, and it's a dynasty league in which I think I'm finally going to be able to compete this year. There you go. That's always a fun feeling. So not only will we be able to compete this year, but I'll be able to do it on you know hopefully on the back of Eloy. Yeah, he should be up pretty quickly. Uh, I would think. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he'll be one of those guys that'll hold down for the first what three weeks or something like that. And then yeah, I mean we might as well jump into him now. But yeah, I mean like, the it. steamer projections of for Eloy are pretty optimistic. Two ninety three, three forty two, five oh two. 129 WRC plus, and uh, that, that's a three-war season. So I'll take it. Yeah, no, no, that's – I think he's kind of like – it's weird because I don't want to say he's overshadowed by Vlad, but I, he definitely is. Oh, completely. And, uh, and Eloy Jimenez might actually be the better draft value. I, I'm sure he is better draft value than Vlad. Um, I mean, seven, he was in double A and triple A last year. 337, 384, 577 slash. Uh, my home run numbers is not writing to change that. 15% K rate and a 7% walk rate. So you can like a lot of what you see with Eloy there. Really good plate skills. Um, I want to get the home run numbers right. He had 22 home runs. So I, for some reason I have six, and obviously that's not right. Uh, he had 22. Um, so that's, that's an encouraging number. He's... One of the rare, for as much as we talk about the power, he is right now a hit tool over power guy. He's probably 70 both right now, um, which is an insane thing to say. But I do think the power is probably 80 raw, but probably 70 in game right now. He's right up there with Jose Abreu as the best hitter in the organization as soon as he arrives. Um, so I don't think that's... A shocking statement to make, but I don't know. He should be what second week in April uh, should be Eloy, and I I have no issue 
taking him inside your top 100 picks this year. Yep, I think that's exactly where he should be going. Yep, and right around there. It sounds about right, actually. The website I'm looking at right now for redraft has him ranked 150. Um, so I, I think that's a little low because you're not going to get him. So, yeah, I, I, I mean, he's obviously the, the crown jewel in the Jose Quintana trade. Imagine if the Cubs still had him. Where would they try to break him in at right now? Because they <laughs> would they finally get rid of Kyle Schwarber for Eli? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think they would be, you know, I think they still are trying to trade Jason Hayward. So. Yeah, that is true. Right. But, uh, man, there's, Eloy has like a nice, like balance in the swing. It's, he's more athletic than, or he's, excuse me, he's not as athletic as what people normally associate with a prospect that's in the you know top consensus top three of all of baseball, mm-hmm. uh, what we have with Eloy here, but that's your nitpicking if that's what you're worried about. Um, I think he's a 70 future value kind of guy, and he he can just hit man. 22 years old, love the love the swing mechanics. It's simple to the ball. Kind of what you're looking at here is like Miguel Cabrera potential outcome and you don't say that too often about people yeah i mean i don't know if i'd go that high but (laughs) no i i i understand why people do yeah you're right he does have a ton of power and uh in a league yeah just to strike out and he's got power i mean Mm -hmm. that's that's how many players do that nowadays just very very few um but i think that's probably covers Eloy up uh, enough. Uh, my number two prospect in this system is a guy that you unfortunately will not see this year, and I can guarantee that. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Michael Kopech, which is a bummer to everybody. Um, everyone knows, you know, the fastball, how big it is. Average over 95 in his brief 14-inning sample. That's the best part about him coming up is we have pitch FX data we can actually use. Um 95-mile-an-hour fastball that he throws 63% of the time, so he's pretty fastball-heavy. That's a good slider, <clears throat> and the changeup was better than advertised uh, when he came up. It was inconsistent, but the couple that he did throw, when he did throw it, he only threw a handful of game, but they, they looked pretty nice. So hopefully when he comes back, hopefully, number one, he comes back healthy. Number two, he can incorporate that pitch more because he does need that changeup to turn over lineups. I know he throws 95 with movement, and I know he has a good slider, but you need three pitches to turn over lineups three times, and that's the type of pitcher we're looking at Kopech to be, upside his top five pitcher in the game. So he's, he's a guy that's going to get strikeouts. He's going to be prone to the blow-up, though, because the command isn't, isn't sharp. Uh, he's he's going to miss in the zone a lot, and hopefully he can polish off those edges. But again, he's missing some development time this year, which is a bummer. Um, but if he, you know... I guess we get to talk about him. He's still a prospect, though, because if he if he didn't get hurt, he's probably not a prospect still. So I guess there's that upside, I guess. But um, no, man, I, I really like Kopech. And on a mild tangent, for some reason in our Friends of Fantasy Benefits Dynasty League, people are trading him like repeatedly, and I don't understand that. But I don't know. Uh, Kopech is a guy I'm looking to well, acquire. Let's be honest. There, there have been some... Uh, <laughs> questionable trades, and I've been a yeah. part of a few, I guess. Uh, some yeah. would say um, yeah. there's been a ton of trades, and and uh, I kind of mentioned it to you a few days ago. This is what happens when you draft a dynasty league in November. 
Yeah, no, you're right. People get fucking bored. Yeah. <laughs> but that's all right. We didn't expect to get done that quickly, so <laughs> we did. But Yeah, we, we definitely did. But, but yeah, if, if that league had been drafted in, in February or March, um, we would not be seeing all these insane trades. People would be waiting to see how the season started to play out first. That's yeah. That's that's probably accurate, but I mean I think Kopech is the upside to be an ace. So I understand why you know people want to trade him, and he's there's some concerns like you know if he doesn't come back from the injury, which isn't a given. Um, so I get it, but man, I, I I'm gonna I'd be all over him if I could have if I had a chance to acquire Kopech, I would do it. Um, number three guy in the White Sox system for me is Luis Robert. Uh, it's not Robert like everyone initially thought. It's Robert. Um, so, yeah, that was kind of surprising when I heard that. But Robert is a, a guy who has – he's more tools than production at this point. I'm throwing it out, though, because, you know, it's, when you come stateside, learn a brand-new culture, and playing baseball against some of the toughest competition you've ever played against, was, there's a lot of room for error, in my opinion. Um the White Sox gave him $26 million, so obviously they're invested. Uh, he's an extremely physical kid. You can tell at the falling he's jacked. Uh, tremendous raw power. He hasn't been able to use it in games yet. Uh, but he has some bombs in the AFL, um, so you know what's in there. Uh, he's a plus runner and a strong defender. Um, he primarily played center field with the White Sox, but it's worth noting in the fall league he played mostly right field. Um, so there's... You know, obviously, team construct matters out there, but maybe he's not a top of top of the scale defender as he was advertised as. Maybe he's just simply above average, which is fine. Um, the hit tool is obviously going to be always below average for me, which might limit the power production. And the plate skills are nothing that stands out. He's a little bit of an aggressive hitter, strikes out a little bit too much, but he can run, and he's just a gifted freak athlete. And there's not many people like that. So uh, for me, I'm doing my updated list. I have Luis Robert just inside the top 40. And I think that's probably on the aggressive side. But there's a lot to like, – I don't think we've seen his best ball. Obviously, you know, with all the, the uh, defecting and, and missing a full year, if not more, development time is going to put him behind the eight ball. So, you know, give him a, a pass for some of this, but recognize the tools. So that's where I'm at with Luis Robert. You are listening to the Friends of Fantasy Benefits Baseball Podcast. All preseason long, we'll be bringing you the most in-depth analysis to get you ready for your drafts. There will be 30 team previews with 30 prospect previews during the month of January. That's 60 podcasts in 30 days. Then, we will be dropping almost daily pods until the start of the season. You can also get your 2019 draft guide called The Fantasy Benefit in ebook and paperback on Amazon.com. Or if you prefer, you can get it via email in PDF form. It has over 250 pages of analysis, player profiles, ranks, strategy guides, and prospect information for cheaper than the magazine you get in the store. Plus, we'll be updating both PDF and ebook all the way until draft season is over for any changes that happen in the landscape of fantasy baseball. Stay tuned all preseason long to Friends Fantasy Benefits so you can be ahead of the curve. Next up on my list is Dylan Cease. Uh, I have Dylan Cease 4 over over Nick Madrigal. 
I love Dylan Cease. There's some people at Prospects Live that don't think he can start. I'm not one of those people. I, I very much think Dylan Cease can start. I actually like the delivery. He's got two, two plus double plus pitches in the fastball and curveball. The delivery is quick. Superb hip rotation. Um, the issue here is the changeup and then the frame. I'm not as worried about the frame as others. Um, Dylan Cease, in my opinion, can can be a starting pitcher and it can also be a guy that never throws 200 innings in a season. And nowadays, you can have the same player, right? Uh, not many players throw 200 innings, and Cease probably won't ever do that, but that's fine. Um, I, I still think what he can do, even, even if he doesn't work out as a starter, the floor is multi-inning reliever, and he can be a really good one at that. I mean, he had a 39% strikeout rate in double A, so that gives you an idea of what we're dealing with here. Uh, Dylan Cease is a fantastic pitcher. Um, 2.4 ERA across the minor leagues, 2.9 FIP, 11.6 Ks per nine, three and a half walks per nine, but he limits hits. So if you have a walk rate that's a little bit higher than average, but you keep hits down as well as he does, you can get away with it. And I still think he's always going to be a guy like that. He's a nasty pitcher. Um, he needs a change up to develop, but I think he can be trying to figure out a decent comp for him. I don't want to throw one out there without doing more research on it, but I think he's a six, you know, he might not go more than six innings in most of his starts, but I think you're going to get a quality six innings. And if the White Sox take care of him, he'll be a nice solid player. Nick Madrigal is uh, my number five guy in this list. We talked about him a little bit pre-show. Um, I think when he came out of the draft, he was overrated. Um, but now I think he's kind of underrated. I have him as my 60th ranked prospect right now. Um, and you look at Madrigal, and the thing that sticks out at you is the 2.9% K rate. That is uh, something you don't see anymore in this day and age. Uh, but he puts the bat on everything. Uh, 4% walk rate. So obviously, you know, he's got issues. Didn't hit, didn't hit a homer after getting drafted fourth overall this year. Uh, put in rookie ball, low A and high A this year. But uh, eight stolen bases in his limited time. But again, no home runs. Uh, Power is never going to be a thing. Here, I think he's a guy that can hit 300, but it may be an empty 300. Uh, but again, I do think there's more power in here than we're advertising. I think he's an 8 to 10 homer guy, which I think is more than some people think he is. How much, how different is he than Luis Urias right now? In, in all honesty, I think Urias has more power projection, and Urias is also, um, I think he's younger too, but, but in from a, Present day skill set, and you know everyone. If and I think if the White Sox sign Harper or Machado, which I don't think they'd get either one, but if they do, Madrigal is a guy who they could accelerate and move him up to the majors a little bit quicker too. So that's part of the value here too, because he's almost a finished product. But I obviously don't think they will. So I think he sticks in double. I think he spends most of this year in Double A, Triple A, and comes up in 2020. But uh, He's, he's a good bat-to-ball guy, probably a future number two hitter. Might be a future nine hitter to start out. Um, but Nick Madrigal is he's one of those team leader, the rah-rah guys everyone likes. Lead by example. Uh, re- really good college pedigree at Oregon State. Uh, maybe a slight overdraft at four because you look at the other players the White Sox passed up on. But, again, Nick Madrigal gives them something they haven't had in their system in a long time, which is a level of safety because they – they 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 draft. They haven't had really good drafts. A lot of their players. Uh, he's actually the first guy we talked about 
on this list that that was actually drafted by them. Everyone else has been acquired in trades. So, speaking of trades, then we'll move to our next guy. I got Dane Dunning at number six. Dunning was a part of the Nationals trade for Adam Eaton, which which brought them Gilito and Reynaldo Lopez, which doesn't look quite as the steal as it did earlier when it happened. But I'm not giving up on Gilito. Uh, he's never going to be the ace that we think he is, but I think he can be a number four starter for a long time. And then Reynaldo Lopez, I think he can be a mid-rotation guy. But I think Dunning has a chance to be the guy in that trade. Um, again, he was a, double, a high A, double A guy, just like Dylan Cease. Uh, we're looking at a guy, 2.71 ERA, 2.4 FIP, uh, 10.4 strikeouts per nine, walks or 2.7 per nine. So Dunning gets it done. He's got those goggles everyone loves. He's going to be a fan favorite just because of those. But uh, University of Florida arm, so I think what might work to his disadvantage here is uh, he's he's been successful out of the bullpen before like he was in college. So I think if the White Sox run into a crunch like that, he might be the first one to get moved just because he's had success in that role. But he's a fastball curveball changeup guy. Doesn't really have um, – platoon issues as a matter of fact i think he's better against lefties because the changeup is so strong um blow average command at present but i think it's future average command um with all three pitches so i think he's got the starter skill set i think dunning and cease is a fascinating va- uh, battle to see what side of the fence you sit on obviously you can tell i'm a dylan cease guy more than dunning but i do like both the both should be up about the same time both should be up about 2020 which again is the white Sox window as well which sounds familiar because that's also the, when the Royals have dreams of being competitive as well. So it'll be fun in the AL Central in a couple of years, but until then, until then, yeah, <laughs> it won't be. But uh, the White Sox have some talent here, man. It's next up on my list. We're going to jump up to Zach Collins, who's a polarizing player in fantasy. I am a fan just because I think. The power in OBP, because I play in mostly OBP formats, so his, his skill set is more tailored for, for those for those leagues. But I look at Zach Collins, and I just hope he catches a couple of days a week. And I don't know if that's going to happen. He did improve a little bit defensively, but ultimately I'm not sure if it's enough. The White Sox don't value catcher defense as well as, as some as most organizations do, though, so that's one thing working in our favor here. If you're a Zach Collins truther like me, so that's, you know, he, he, remember when he was drafted, he was like, oh, he can move quick. Obviously, you know, they, he hasn't. Uh, what did we say when, when they said that? Right. If they wanted to keep him behind the plate, he's not going to be as quick. Mm-hmm. And that's what it hasn't been. And this year he's, he split about 50, 50 option between catcher and, and, and DH this year in the minor leagues in double a, which I think is encouraging because they're not having to play anywhere else yet. Mm-hmm. He did play a little bit of first base. Um, I think he did that in instructs, but uh, I'm not getting. I, I don't think that's a, a move they're willing to make yet because they haven't done it. Um, so as long as he catches a little bit and it can be like the backup catcher and full time DH, perfect, right? That's mm-hmm. what you want. Exactly. And and that's a potential. And he's tough to rank in fantasy right now. He's outside my top 150, but barely. Oh, but, wow, really. Yeah, it's just it's hard. It's hard to rank him because number one, there's a lot of a lot of really good talent. This year's draft class was one I enjoyed uh, and I like a lot. But you know, if you look at just the hit tool, if you don't play in OBP formats, he's not that appealing because it's two thirty four average, thirty percent K rate, 
doesn't really strike much confidence in you. But if you're OBP, I mean, look at his, he hit 234 this year in AA, but his OBP was 382. So, I mean, you're looking at a 150-point boost between the average and the, and the OBP, which is significant. And if you can hit 210 and walk 50% of the time in the major leagues, which I think is doable, and hit 25 home runs, that's a player that you're going to roster, right? Um, the OBP is, obviously, if you're, if you're strictly OBP format, I think he's a top 100 prospect, and I don't think there's much of an argument because the OBP is so strong. But if you're in a standard 5x5, five five, I get it uh, because there's a lot of limitations here. Uh, I, it's a really weird, really, really weird profile. Um, but I hope it's one that the White Sox continue to exercise patience with so they can get what they want out of him because I think he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a very good player and I think he can hit for a lot of power. And he might be one of those guys that, that surprises you when he gets up to the next level. He needs to cut the K rate down, but I like the swing path and I think he's geared for fly balls. Uh, Luis Gonzalez is another guy that he's very under the radar, outfield prospect for the White Sox. Um, 55 hit, 45 power, plus defender in center field. More more gap to gap than over the oh, than over the fence power right now. Can run a little bit also. 14 homers and 10 steals this year in low A high A. Um, heavy ground. Well, you look at excuse me. It's heavy pull side gap power. Um, and you can get him out by having him hit balls on the on the ground, which. He needs to get off that ground ball tilt a little bit, a little bit more. But he's a really good center fielder, like I said. He's not all that exciting of a prospect, but he's one that's very, very slept on because the White Sox haven't been able to figure out center field in a long time, and he, he might be that guy. So keep an eye on Luis Gonzalez. Blake Rutherford is also here. And Rutherford, I was looking at minor, the website Minor Graphs by Samada, uh, which, spoiler alert, you might see that on Prospects Live a little bit more often soon. Um but, but the thing with Rutherford is he's a very, very polarizing player, very hard one to peg because you look at his minor graphs, his fly ball distance is all, is all over the place. His fly ball percentage, line drive percentage, ground ball percentage, all over the place. Very much looks like a man trying to find himself. And, and I, think the, I think there's a breakout coming. And I know Ralph uh, Prospects Live is really, really high on Rutherford. I'm not quite to that level. I know you were high on Rutherford at a time. I don't know if you still are. I don't want to put words in your mouth or anything, but I, I do think there's something coming here. Uh, and yeah, he's not going to be the superstar talent. And you remember he was drawing like Jim Edmonds comps and stuff like that coming out of the draft. He doesn't have enough fly balls to do that. So he won't be the Edmonds guy that people think, but it's a healthy set of skills. 293, 345, 436 at high A this year. 19% K rate, 7% walk rate, 15 stolen bases. Like, nothing great, right? The average is great. The walk rate could do some work. Doesn't hit for enough power. Uh, he's probably a left fielder, so he needs to tap into the power a little bit more. But I'm not giving up on Rutherford. I like the swing. He can run. He does everything above average except for hit for power. But I think that can come. That's the last thing to come. And he's got better than average bat-to-ball skills. So I, I'm not giving up on uh, Rutherford. Luis alexander Basabe was another guy in the Chris Hale trade. Uh, everything but the hit tool here. You can hit for hit, hit for power. He's got some speed. Has an absolute cannon in the outfield, uh, and he plays a pretty good center field. Two fifty eight, three fifty four, four forty five, with fifteen homers and sixteen stolen bases. Twelve percent walk rate, twenty seven percent K rate. So obviously, you see the problems laid out right there. Um, he's an athlete at a premium position, and then he can hit for power. 
Um, so I think Basabi is a he's a major league future for me. I just um, if the hit tool doesn't manifest, he might be a fourth outfielder. Uh, but I mean, everyone remembers that futures game bomb he hit off a hundred green. Uh, but I think the baseballs in the future game futures game were a little bit juiced. I think that's the talk. Uh, everyone keeps calling them titleist baseballs, which is probably accurate. Uh, wound a little bit tighter, a little bit harder. They were jumping off the bat. Um, but I'm looking here at Pasabi, and he's got the underlying ingredients of a good hit tool. He uses all fields and stuff. He just needs to curb the strikeout rate and make more contact. Easier said than done, but that's the issue that it, that's here. Um, let's see. That's the top 10 guys. Uh, Alec Hansen is a guy that I cannot quit. Uh, superior fastball and, and slider stuff out of Oklahoma. Was lights out his uh, sophomore year on campus. And had some buzz as going number one overall in the draft. And then his junior season at Oklahoma just completely fell off a cliff. And then he was really strong in his pro debut last season. Or, excuse me, in 2017. And then in 2018, he completely shit to bed. Um, Statistic-wise, couldn't throw strikes. I'm not giving up on Hanson because I think the stuff is some of the best in the minor leagues. But um, he cannot throw strikes. So as of right now, I cannot put him inside my top 10. But in a shallow league, I'm all over Hanson. Uh, Micker Adolfo is number 12 for me. Uh, big power guy. Probably 70 grade, raw power, maybe even 80. But he can't stay out of the trainer, training room. And he's been hurt consistently. He's played over 400 games. Or excuse me, less than 400 career games in his career. And he's entered pro ball in 2014. So you're looking at a guy um, that's oft injured almost as much as you know as he's healthy. He had Tommy John this year, uh, so he's coming back from that. Had a back injury, a shoulder injury before, had a calf injury. Uh, Steely Walker out of University of Oklahoma is a was a sum of all parts guy. Really good linear swing. I think he can hit 20 home runs. Might not. Might just be a platoon outfielder. Jake Berger, still a prospect in this system for me. Um, Probably overdrafted out of Missouri State when they drafted him in the first round. Uh, then he tore his Achilles. Um, then, then during the rehab from his Achilles, he tore it again. So, uh, yeah. Um, he's probably going to have to move off first base long term, and I don't think this Achilles injury helps that. I think that, if anything, might push him to first. But maybe that's a good thing because then you can stop trying to, to work out for agility and power and just kind of beef up. And because I think he's a guy who could hit 30 home runs in the big leagues. But, you know, there's a lot in the way. Obviously, he needs to get back on the field. And hopefully the, the Achilles injury is something he can come back from. Because when you do it twice, I don't even pretend to know the track record of that because I am not familiar with that injury, thank God. But, you know, we all wish Berger the best recovery. And I, I, think, I think he's a first baseman now. But he's not, I'm not ready to give up on him. If you have him, it's because you already owned him from a first-year player draft a few years ago. Um, so I guess my, my guess, my, my advice to you is just to hold them. Mm-hmm. Um, he was, he was a favorite of mine coming out of the draft. Yeah. He can hit for power. He's probably overdrafted in hindsight, but mm-hmm. again, you know, that's, it's easy to say that now. And then Connor Pilkington out of Mississippi state was a White Sox third round pick this year and a lefty, uh, six, So not a lot of projection there. Um, Low 90s fastball, change up in the low 80s, and a slow curve. Probably a back-end starter for them. Um, Add some nice depth to the rotation. And then they have a lot of other guys. They did Bryce Bush. They stole in the draft this year. Got some power. 
He had a really strong college commitment. And the White Sox, it was like the 30-something round, and they grabbed Bryce Bush, and they got him to sign. So that was good. Sevi Zavala probably projects as a backup catcher with some pop. But with the way the White Sox are going, he could get some significant time behind the plate. Um, got a good arm. He's a work on the defense. Ryan Cordell, to me, is a guy that I like. I th- a couple years ago when he was in the Brewers system, I threw Mark DeRosa comp on him, and I still think that fits. He's a little bit older, though. can play infield, can play outfield. Hits lefties better than righties. Um, he's kind of got that, that, that similar build. Struggled in his brief time in the majors le- this year, but he's also injured. So I'm not giving up on him. Gavin Sheets is a first baseman out of, I believe, Wake Forest. Uh, probably hit 20, 25 home runs, but that might be it uh, because it's a power-only profile from the left side. Uh, Cody Medeiros they got from the Brewers for um, jo- Joaquim Soria this year. Probably a reliever. Um, Taekwon Forbes, they got him from Texas in a minor trade, and he's come along a lot offensively. I think he's a 50 50 hit, 45 power kind of guy with a really good glove and a strong arm. Probably play third base. Um, I'm just searching down here and trying to make sure I cover all these sleepers. I like Bernardo Flores, good lefty, you know, a finesse command lefty back end rotation. Charlie Tilson, still a prospect. Adam Engel hasn't hit the major league level. I'm giving Tilson another chance to maybe take that center field job for the short term. And if he does, he's a good guy for 20 stolen bases. You could do worse than maybe than than a last round draft pick here in one of them, some of them deep leagues. So Charlie Tilson could uh, could emerge with that job. Like I said, Adam Angle, besides his Arizona Fall League stint when he won MVP a couple years back, hasn't been able to hit. Uh, really, really good plus defender, but Tilson's also a plus defender. Uh, he's a 70 runner. Can probably swipe 20 bags, like I said. A 55 hit tool from the left side. Uh, not a lot of power, though. But it's a better overall package, I think. And then Luis Curbelo is a middle infield, well, probably a second base, short, second base, third base guy. Play shortstop now. I don't think he can play there at the big level. He's a kid from Puerto Rico. He's got a little bit of everything. Hasn't shown it in games. He's more tools than production at this point, but... I guess what it comes down to for the White Sox, for me, is ultimately, and I want to circle back real quick because he's a very polarizing player, but the, what, what they get out of Nick Madrigal. Because Madrigal is a guy, he can move quick, he can move, they could slow play it. If they don't sign one of the big free agents, which again, I don't expect them to, um, you could see Madrigal up this year, even later, later part of the year. If they don't, probably look toward the beginning of the 2020 season. Um, I, I think there's more power here. I keep circling back to him because I, I'm kind of baffled on what to do with him. Um, he was overhyped, and now I think he's overhyped so much that he's actually underrated, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. And I think there's some hate going his way because yeah. people did overhype him. Because I know he took a tumble on our updated first-year player draft rankings for Prospects Live. Uh, but I th- still think he's inside the top 10. Uh, let me see. Counting Kikuchi, you're looking at, yeah, he's 11th for me. So that's that's not a bad player. I like this draft a lot. So, um, I mean, he's a 60th overall prospect, so I, I still like him. That might be higher than, than mo- most lists you're seeing now. I think you're seeing some overcorrection. So I think that's a good chance to take it. A good guy to take a shot on. I wouldn't draft him in your first-year player draft, but I would definitely try to trade for him right away. All right. 
anybody else to talk about? Um, not off the top of my head. They got a couple of utility only option guys. Does, uh, does, Ryan, always, does Ryan Cordell ever make it to the major leagues? I he was up the major leagues last year. I updated. I talked about him. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I had a Mark DeRosa comp that I threw on him from a couple I, years ago. I took that him I, in a thirty team Rule Five draft last year and had to roster him on my major league roster all year. Yeah, he didn't do well for the in the majors, yeah. uh, but. He hit like 108 or something like that. 108, 125, 216. Yeah. Hit a home run, uh, 19 games, 38% K rate. Obviously, that's an issue. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I do think I, – I don't think that's a very good representation of what his I career is. I do think he's going to strike out like a 25% clip or greater, though. Yeah. And he's probably not going to walk at a superb rate. Yeah. But I do think 45 hit tool, 45 power plays, mm-hmm. especially when you can play infield and outfield everywhere. And I think my Mark DeRosa comp is apt because I think against lefties, you're going to want to find a spot in the lineup for Cordell. All right. Well, that's going to wrap us up for this episode. Uh, what do you guys got going on over at Prospects Live right now? Uh, we are finishing up our system scrum podcast and, and prospect lists. We've got a lot of lists coming. It's list season in the next uh, mm-hmm. 10, middle of January or so. So we'll see a lot of lists for us and it'll probably annoy you on your timeline if it's not what you're looking for. So I apologize in advance, but we have some special things going on with minors graphs as well. I think we have when some it comes visual to minor league stuff though. It's like, I mean, isn't that what most people want? Like, give I, the I, I think so. Yeah. Uh, At least for fantasy wise, a couple of our biggest posts, uh, prospects live. Uh, I think our biggest post to dates are first year player draft top 100 for sure. And I think we're going to have, we're having an update to that it might be coming out in the next week or so. Um, don't quote me on that though. And if I'm wrong, just message me and I'll give you a, I'll give you a brief taste of it if it's not out yet. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's exciting times over at prospect live. I'm, I'm pretty jacked to be a part of it. We got a good crew of guys over there. We just picked up uh, a couple new, new people as well. Uh, we got Chris Dunn mm-hmm. from minor league ball. Who's now, uh, joining the ranks with us and picked up Eddie Almaguer from, uh, multiple places. One of the best fantasy players I've, two guys i really love i've i've known one of the best fantasy players in eddie and obviously we have ralph and lance and and jason and They're jp okay. yeah and we got a pretty good <laughs> pretty good unit over there so i'm excited yeah got the, you should be and uh, uh, i'm just waiting for my call when, when do you guys want me to like come in and do like uh you know fantasy analysis and stuff because I, I can be like don't draft prospects like you know the the devil's advocate of prospects live yeah, well, uh, yeah. <laughs> no? All right. No, maybe not. Probably, probably not what the site's going for. Maybe we'll have you uh, get in on some of these top 30 write-ups. Mm, there we go. All right. <laughs> since, since, you, since you need more things to do. Exactly. Yeah, I'm not busy enough. Uh, you can uh, read all my stuff over on Fangraphs, Fantasy Alarm, Friends of Fantasy Benefits. Uh, hear me on this podcast, The Sleeper in the Bust. Uh, fantasy football is finally over, so that, well... It's not quite finally over. If you're if you're doing uh, playoff stuff for fantasy football, I'm still doing my weekly preview over at Fantasy Alarm. So, uh, oh Bears, and I'll be doing that through uh, through the Super Bowl. So, who's, who's going to win it? I have the Bears winning that game. So, really yeah. cool. You have the Bears winning the Super Bowl too, right? I do not. Uh, you're wrong. Yeah, no, no I'm not wrong. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, but uh, I definitely have the Bears winning that. I'm, I'm currently writing up the, uh, the the Seattle Seahawks versus the Dallas Cowboys. So, uh, at, Seattle. At, yeah. Uh, no, I haven't. I haven't really decided yet. I'm still still. I haven't gotten to the prediction part. Seattle. So, <laughs> is that because that's who you would rather face? 
No, I, I'd rather play Dallas to be honest. If I'm the Bears, but that's not going to happen. So yeah, no, they're 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 not going to ever meet each other. They'll both be out before no. the NFC Championship game. But that'll Dallas, wrap us. Dallas up. will definitely be out. <laughs> that'll wrap us up for this episode. Uh, hit up Matt on Twitter at mdtopfwfb. Me on Twitter at Justin Mason FWFB. Uh, have a fantastic baseball season. 